Welcome listeners, but take heed, we will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. Before we begin, please be aware, we have a tendency to swear. You have been warned, make no mistake, so join us now, we're For Fox Sake. Welcome to For Fox Sake, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen, and the Hufflepuff with a heart of gold in the chair to my left is Carly. Thank you. That's so sweet. Yeah, well, I love you. <laughs> I love you, too. Now I feel like Aslan. Heart of gold. <laughs> but anyways, let's fly into the Phoenix flashback. Last week, we covered the first half of Chapter 4, Forest Slughorn, and the surprisingly similar corresponding film scenes. Harry and Dumble apparate their way to a British village, they stumble onto what looks like a murder scene. Dumble is quick to call Slughorn a phony when he noticed that there was a lack of dark markedness above the house. The movie and book line up fairly well other than leaving out a very detailed conversation between Dumble and Harry as they walk. During episode 200, Magic, Carly, Magic, our Potter pondering was, what would your security question be if you were a wizard in these dark times, and what is the answer? Hey guys, it's Jackson. I'm calling in my pot of pondering for this week. If I were a wizard, and it was the troubled times of the Second Wizarding War, my security question would be, what breed of dragon did the heartstring in my wand come from? I'd only tell a few people that specific detail. Hi, this is Jessica calling in my Potter pondering for this week or what my security question would be. Maybe something along the lines of like my t- favorite TV show or like my favorite book. Or it could be like, how do you like to eat your pickles? And then if it's any other like response other than me saying like, ugh, I don't like pickles, then you would know it's not me because I hate pickles. <laughs> Or you could also go down the rabbit hole of what's my favorite, like, Lord of the Rings scene or something like that. That would be an interesting one to try to figure out. Thank you so much for your responses. Our trivia question last week was, who is the Quidditch captain Slughorn mentions that made his shelf? The Quidditch captain that we actually learn about in the book and the movie was Gwynog Jones, captain of the Hollyhead Harpies. Congratulations goes to... Bay Squires! Yay! She's been popping up now and then to answer the trivia question, and this time she got there first, cutting off Kalista's streak in the process. Will she be starting up her own streak? You never know. For now, let's dive into the second half of Chapter 4, Horace Slughorn and the corresponding film scenes. Chapter 4, Horace Slughorn, Part 2. Dumbledore stands up rather suddenly, and Slughorn hopefully asks him if he's leaving. Instead, the headmaster asks if he can use the bathroom, and a clearly disappointed Slughorn directs him to the second door on the left down the hall. Once Dumbledore leaves, there's a moment of silence before Slughorn stands. He gives Harry a look and crosses to the fire to warm his back, before abruptly telling Harry that he knows why Dumbledore brought him. Harry just looks at him and doesn't say anything, until Slughorn tells him he looks like his father. When he begins to say he has his mother's eyes, Harry cuts him off to say it for him. Slughorn mentions that teachers shouldn't have favorites, but that Lily Evans was one of the brightest students he's ever taught, very vivacious and charming. He used to tell her she should have been in his house and would get very cheeky answers back. Harry asks what his house was, and Slughorn informs him that he was head of Slytherin. When he notices the look on Harry's face, he implores him not to hold it against him and figures he's in Gryffindor, like his mother was, as it usually goes in families. He then corrects himself to say not always and brings up Sirius Black as an example, asking if Harry had heard of him and mentioning that he died a few weeks back. This causes a pain in Harry's stomach but Slughorn just continues talking about how Sirius was a big pal of Harry's father at school and that the whole black family had been in his house, but Sirius ended up in Gryffindor. He calls it a shame since he was a talented boy and says he got his brother Regulus when he came along, but he would have liked the set. 
Sounding like an enthusiastic collector, he continues down memory lane, talking about how shocked he was when he found out Lily was muggle-born. Harry informs him that one of his best friends is muggle-born, and she's the best in his year. Slughorn comments on how funny it is that that happens sometimes, and Harry replies with a cold, not really. Slughorn is surprised and tells Harry that he mustn't think he's prejudiced. He just said his mother was one of his favorite students, as was Dirk Cresswell the year after her, also muggle-born and now the head of the Goblin Liaison Office. He says he still gets excellent inside information on the goings-on at Gringotts and smiles as he gestures at a collection of photographs displayed in frames on a dresser, saying they're all ex-students, all signed. He points out Barnabas Cuff, editor of the Daily Prophet, who is always interested to hear his take on the day's news, Ambrosius Flume of Honeydukes, who sends him a hamper every birthday, and Gwenog Jones, captain of the Hollyhead Harpies, who gives him free tickets whenever he wants them. Harry asks how they all know where to find him, wondering how the Death Eaters haven't tracked him down yet. Slughorn's smile fades as he seems to realize that he's been out of touch with everyone for a year. He then shrugs and says a prudent wizard keeps his head down in such times, and that it's fine for Dumbledore to talk, but that taking a post at Hogwarts now would essentially be the same as declaring his public allegiance to the Order of the Phoenix, and he doesn't fancy the mortality rate. Harry finds it very difficult to sympathize with Slughorn, as he points out that he wouldn't have to join the Order to teach at Hogwarts, since most of the teachers aren't in it, and none have been killed, aside from Quirrell, who was working with Voldemort. As expected, Slughorn flinches when Harry says Voldemort's name aloud, but Harry simply ignores it and continues on to state that he figures the staff is safer than most, while Dumbledore is headmaster, since he's the only one Voldemort ever feared. Slughorn agrees with this and rationalizes that he might be a little safer closer to Albus. At this point, Dumbledore re-enters the room, and Slughorn wonders what took him so long. The headmaster confesses that he was reading the Muggle magazines, stating that he loves knitting patterns, before addressing Harry that he thinks it's time for them to leave. Harry jumps to his feet, but Slughorn now seems taken aback that they are going. Dumbledore says he knows a lost cause when he sees one, and begins to fasten his traveling cloak as Harry zips up his jacket. He then gives a farewell salute to Horace, telling him he's sorry he doesn't want the job, as Hogwarts would have been glad to see him back. He then mentions that, despite the greatly increased security, he will always be welcome to visit should he wish to. Dumbledore and Harry both say bye and make it all the way to the front door before Horace shouts after them that he will do it. Dumbledore turns to find Slughorn breathless in the doorway to the sitting room and reiterates that he will come out of retirement. Slughorn says he must be mad, but yes, and a pleased Dumbledore tells him that is wonderful and they will see him on the 1st of September. Again, Slughorn agrees, but as they set off down the garden path, he calls after them again that he'll want a pay rise. Dumbledore chuckles as they set off back down the hill and through the dark swirling mist and says, well done, Harry. Harry doesn't think he did anything, but Dumbledore clarifies that he showed Horace exactly what he stands to gain by returning to Hogwarts. He then asks if he liked him, and Harry isn't quite sure how to answer, since he seemed pleasant enough, but also came across vain and much too surprised that a muggle-born should make a good witch. Dumbledore explains that Horace likes his comfort, as well as the company of the famous, successful, and the powerful, since he enjoys feeling that he influences them. He has never been the type to want to occupy the throne, rather he prefers the back seat, where there's more room to spread out. He would handpick his favorites, for ambition or brains, sometimes their charm or talent, and had an uncanny knack for choosing the ones that go on to become outstanding in their various fields. He formed a club of his favorites, with him at the center, making useful contacts, and always reaping some kind of benefit in return. This makes Harry picture a large spider spinning a web around it, intending to entice large and juicy flies a little closer. Dumbledore explains that he isn't telling him this to turn him against Horace, or Professor Slughorn as they now must call him, 
but rather to put him on his guard as he is undoubtedly going to try to collect him, Harry Potter, the boy who lived, or as they call him these days, the Chosen One. At these words, Harry feels a chill, remembering the other words he heard a few weeks back. Neither can live while the other survives. They are now level with the church they had passed earlier, and Dumbledore then stops walking and instructs Harry to grasp his arm again. Though Harry is braced for apparition this time, he still finds it unpleasant. They're now standing in a country lane where he can see the crooked silhouette of his second favorite building in the world, the burrow. Despite the dread he had been feeling, the sight of it lifts his spirits, knowing he will be seeing Ron and Mrs. Weasley, who can cook better than anyone he knows. Dumbledore asks Harry for a few words in private before they part, and directs him into a run-down stone outhouse where the Weasleys store their broomsticks. Harry is a little confused, but follows him into the small space. Dumbledore lights his wand and tells Harry how pleased and proud he is of him, for how he's coping with everything that happened at the ministry. He tells him that Sirius would be proud of him as well, and also mentions how cruel it is that they had such a short time together. Harry nods in response, then manages to say that it's hard to realize Sirius won't ever write him again. His eyes begin to burn, and Dumbledore gently says that Sirius represented a lot that Harry had never known before, so the loss is devastating. Harry's voice becomes stronger as he replies that while he was at the Dursleys, he realized that he can't shut himself away. Sirius wouldn't have wanted that, and life is too short. He knows he could be next and wants to take as many Death Eaters with him as he can, and Voldemort too if he can manage it. Dumbledore gives Harry an approving pat on his back, saying spoken like his parent's son and Sirius's true godson. He then changes the subject, bringing up all the reports in the Daily Prophet about their adventure in the Hall of Prophecy. Harry comments on how everyone knows that he's the one, but Dumbledore cuts him off to reassure him that they are the only two people in the world who know the full contents of the prophecy, though many have guessed correctly. He figures that Harry hasn't told anyone about what the prophecy said, and when Harry confirms this, Dumbledore tells him that is wise on the whole, but that he should tell his friends Mr. Ronald Weasley and Miss Hermione Granger, as it does them a disservice to not confide something this important to them. Harry starts to say he didn't want to worry or frighten them, but Dumbledore already understands his reasoning and explains that it is likely more that he doesn't want to admit that he himself is worried and frightened. He tells Harry that he needs his friends, as he already said, Sirius wouldn't want him to shut himself away. Harry doesn't respond, but Dumbledore doesn't seem to need an answer, and merely continues with a different though related subject, telling him that he wishes Harry to take private lessons with him this year. Harry wants to know what he will be teaching him, but Dumbledore keeps his answer pretty vague. When it is clear he's not going to go into any more detail, Harry asks if he will still have occlumency lessons with Snape. Dumbledore corrects him, saying Professor Snape, but also says he will not, agreeing that the lessons were a fiasco. Harry laughs and figures he won't be seeing much of Snape from now on, since he won't be allowed to continue potions unless he gets an outstanding in his OWL, and he knows he hasn't. Dumbledore tells him not to count his owls before they're delivered, and mentions that they actually should be later today. He then gives Harry two more directives before they part. The first is to always keep his cloak with him at all times, even within Hogwarts. The second is that the burrow has been given the highest security measures the Ministry of Magic can provide while he stays there, measures that have caused some inconvenience for Molly and Arthur, and it would be poor repayment if he risks himself while he's staying with them. Harry says he understands, and Dumbledore opens the door to the broom shed, saying he sees a light on in the kitchen, and that they shouldn't deprive Molly the chance to deplore how thin he is. The movie starts out just after everything destroyed in the house is back in its place. Dumbledore says, that was fun, and asks Horace if he minds if he uses the loo. Horace says, of course, and as Dumbledore walks away, he also says that he knows why he's there, and the answer is still no. He insists it is absolutely and unequivocally no. Then, after an awkward pause, looks at Harry, and tells him he looks very like his father. Before he can tell him how he has his mother's eyes, Harry says it for him. Slughorn begins to talk about how lovely and bright she was, calling it more impressive since she was a muggle-born. 
Harry responds that one of his best friends is Muggleborn, and she's the best in the year. This makes Slughorn a little defensive, as he insists that he isn't prejudiced and calls Lily one of his absolute favorite students. He points to a framed picture on display with others, saying she's right there in the front. As Harry approaches the images, Slughorn continues to explain that they were all his students and points out some of the more famous ones, like Barnabas Cuff, the editor of the Daily Prophet, and Gwynag Jones, the captain of the Hollyhead Harpies. Harry picks up another picture of Slughorn with the Slytherin Quidditch team, and he tells him that it was Regulus Black, saying he no doubt knows his older brother Sirius, who died a few weeks ago. Harry nods as Slughorn talks about teaching the whole Black family, except for Sirius, which he thinks is a shame since he was a talented boy. He did teach Regulus when he came along, but he would have liked the set. At this point, Dumbledore returns from the bathroom holding a magazine and asks if he can take it. Harry walks over to stand by his headmaster's side as the old wizard declares that he loves knitting patterns. Slughorn says he can, but is also surprised that they're leaving already. Dumbledore responds that he knows a lost cause when he sees one, calling it regrettable, saying that he would have considered it a great personal triumph if he had consented to return to Hogwarts. He continues in one breath, saying, oh well, but also telling Slughorn that he is like his friend Mr. Potter, one of a kind. He says bye and turns to leave. Harry gives Slughorn a little nod and follows after his headmaster, leaving the former teacher standing alone in the house, looking conflicted. The camera cuts to show them leaving the house, but before they can make it all the way up the path to the gate, Slughorn opens the door behind them and calls after them, agreeing to take the job, but insisting he gets Professor Merrythought's old office and a raise, declaring that they live in mad times. Dumbledore nods to him in agreement, then quietly tells Harry that they are indeed. As they continue walking from the house, Harry asks Dumbledore what that was all about. Dumbledore tells Harry that he is talented, famous, and powerful, which is everything Professor Slughorn values, so he will try to collect him. He would be his crowning jewel, and that is why he is returning to Hogwarts, which Dumbledore says is crucial. They then pause on the street, and Dumbledore mentions the very pretty girl he took him away from, saying he fears he may have stolen a wondrous night from him. Harry tells him it's all right and says he'll go back tomorrow and make up some excuse, but Dumbledore informs him that he won't be returning to Little Whinging tonight. Harry asks about Hedwig and his trunk, and Dumbledore mysteriously says both are waiting for him as he holds out his arm for a second time that night. Harry grabs his arm and they twist into nothing away from the town. So Dumble and Sluggy just throw some shit back together really quickly. Well, it's really just Dumbledore in the movie. It is, yeah, because Slughorn's just standing there like, Sure, okay. But no, in the book, they specifically mentioned that the two of them do that identical wand wave. And in the movie, it's just Dumbledore like, Shall I clear up for you? He's just being like extra nice. I'll clean up for you. It's fine. You don't have to wave your wand. Relax, dude. Just relax. You're looking for a quiet life. Come to Hogwarts. (laughs) You know, I get that Hogwarts would probably be safer for him. In general. I guess I also kind of get why he doesn't want to go. I mean, as teachers. I would want to go there personally. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying as teachers, we know that that shit is not peaceful. True. (laughs) Also, living with your students would be rough. So you have to do like night duty and stuff like that. Oof. I would not want to be at a boarding school. No. 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 Not unless there was like a night staff. Please don't wake me up. I'm tired. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no, absolutely, I will do night duty, but you better not give me any classes that following day. I feel like y'all have magic. Just put, like, a magical barrier up and then go to sleep. Yeah. Nobody can leave the common room. You know that you'd have students that could figure out a way around that shit, though. Fred and George. Absolutely. So in general, especially when we're cutting in the middle of a scene and picking it up exactly where we want... We can make things line up pretty well. But in general, these line up pretty well. They do. They do. It helps when you're coming off of the first half of the chapter and movie section that are pretty spot on, aside from missing details. So this one picks up at the same. In the book, though, a teeny bit different than how they did it in the movie. Dumbledore just stands up rather suddenly without saying anything because they're sitting down for drinks in the book. And Slughorn's like, oh, are you leaving? And he's hopeful that this is happening, which I feel like is a little different than how the movie had it. 
Yeah, he's not like so excited for Dumbledore to leave. He's actually pretty pleasant that yeah. Dumbledore's there. Like he's like, no, I'm absolutely not returning, but I'll hang out with you. We're friends, right? right? That's cool. No, in the book, he's like, oh, yeah, you're leaving? Good, good. And Dumbledore just says, actually, I was hoping I could use the bathroom. And they clearly disappointed Slughorn's like, second door on the left, down the hall. I love that Dumbledore's just like, yo, I got to pee. And Slughorn's like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going back. It is, again, a similar kind of moment because Slughorn has already told, I know why you're here. It's not happening. I think that Jim Broadbent does a really good job of making Slughorn almost awkward. Yeah, I would agree with that. I didn't really ever read Slughorn as awkward. Like, he seemed very confident in himself, but I like the awkwardness. I feel like in this moment, though, he is a little bit awkward. A little bit. He's very uncomfortable with Dumbledore being in the house. And out of practice for interacting with his famous people at this point it's been a year so when Dumbledore leaves this is like that moment of awkwardness where he's just sitting there in silence with Harry I think it's different awkwardness I don't think it's famous people awkwardness I think it's well I just mean that he's forgotten how to collect them in well this that's moment. true but I think it's more he feels a little bit responsible yeah that could be there too because he's the one who told him how to do it he's still in pretty strong denial of that at this point i think he is on the surface but underneath he yeah. knows and i also think it's probably hard for him to be around harry because he does look so much like like Lily Lily. with his eyes yes which is what they bring up now because after this moment of silence where he's just like uh i don't know what to say let me say you look like your mom yeah well he goes and like warms his back in front of the fire so now he's basically standing next to harry but still not talking to him and then he just abruptly goes you look like your father except for the eyes and then in both the book and movie we have harry cut him off to say yeah i have my mother's eyes i may have heard that once or twice a minute i expect you'll tire of hearing this yes as our god daddy would say. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, in the book, Slughorn specifically says that teachers shouldn't have favorites, but Lily Evans was one of his. She was so bright and vivacious and charming, specifically saying that he used to say she should have been in his house and then would get very cheeky answers back. And I'm pretty sure Harry already knows the answer to this question, but he says, because. what house were you? And learns that Slughorn was the head of Slytherin. He says something like, oh, don't hold that against me. Yeah, because Harry gets a look on yeah. his face like, oh, yeah. oh, Slytherin, oh. <laughs> and Slughorn is asking him not to hold it against him, says, but I bet you're in Gryffindor. It usually goes in the families. And Harry nods, but he automatically corrects himself to say that it doesn't always and brings up of all people that Harry wants to hear about Sirius Black and says, you've probably heard about him. He just recently died. I mean, I know he doesn't know, but dude. Does he not know? Does he not know? I'm very intrigued because he knows so much about Lily. I assume that he would have been invited to James and Lily's wedding. Because... He doesn't know that Harry knows is what I mean. Oh. He's been out of the loop for a while at this I point. I guess, yeah. So. He's been out for about a year. but And it's not like it was widely known that Sirius and Harry had a relationship at this point. Oh, okay. Yeah, I get you. I get you. Yeah. I get you. And of course, the moment that he mentions Sirius, it feels like Harry's been stabbed in the gut. And Slughorn is pretty oblivious to this because he's just now blabbing away about how Sirius was a big pal of Harry's father in school and the whole black family had been in his house, but Sirius had ended up in Gryffindor. He calls it a shame because he was a talented boy and then mentions that he got his brother Regulus when he came along, but he would have liked the set. So I'm intrigued because when he says this, he says that he didn't get to teach Sirius. Well, in the movie, he specifically says teach. In the book, he says he wasn't in his house. So I feel like that was just mistranslation to the movie because he would have been his teacher. He would have been his potions teacher. I would have assumed so. I That has always confused me because I'm like, mm -hmm. unless they had two potions teachers and Slughorn only taught the like newt level. Which I doubt. Maybe not. I mean, it's possible. At some point, 
Hogwarts might have been staffed like a normal school and Maybe. have two teachers, like how they're doing divination, where yeah, different grades, yeah. different strokes, yeah. different folks, different strokes. <laughs> All right, but I think that this was actually just a mistake on the movie's part. I bet because that happens from time to time. So Sirius comes up in the movie too. It's a little bit different. This part in the movie always makes me sad when he's like, oh, no doubt you know about his brother, Sirius, and he just gets like a stab. Harry picks up the picture. He's looking at Regulus. He doesn't know it's Regulus at that point, but Slughorn says, that's Regulus Black. He is brother Sirius. He just died a few weeks ago. You've probably heard of him. Yeah. yeah. It's very similar. They got there in the end, just a different lead in. And then there's like that other jab when Slughorn's like, oh, and that's your mother. And Harry gets to see his mom, who does not look 16. She looks 40 in the picture, but whatever. <laughs> and he sees his little teenage mom being a lily. Aww. And it's a little sad. But I also did specifically note that Slughorn is very much more awkward than he is in the book. I feel like he's a little more confident. He gets really excited when he's talking about his collections. Yeah, the book specifically describes him as sounding like an enthusiastic collector who lost out on a bid. Yes, especially when he's talking about how he didn't get serious. Right. So I feel like the movie, he got more awkward at this point, which I don't think is an issue. I like both playing out because I do feel like if you're talking to somebody about their mother who is dead... dead. Then you are... Their father, who is dead. Yeah. Their, and their godfather, and, that I assume you know was their godfather, who is, is also dead. dead. <laughs> you know, I feel like at that point, it would be a little awkward. Yeah. And I do feel like that's a good playoff. But I also did like it in the book, where he got, like, excited, and he was like, yes, this is... Look at all these people I know. I've I'm collected so, them. I'm so popular. I'm so awesome. Look at me. Look at me. And that's exactly what he goes into in the book in this moment. Because now that he's all caught up on the people that he's taught, Lily and then Regulus and wishing he had Sirius, he starts reminiscing about those times, essentially, starting with the fact that how shocked that he was when he found out that Lily Evans was muggle-born. Because she's so talented, he wouldn't have expected that. And Harry just flat out goes, one of my best friends is Muggleborn, and she's the best in my year. Listen, Harry being there for Muggleborns, you go, baby. That's my boy. That's I do how love it, it should be. Yeah. And I don't like that Slughorn is like, oh, don't think I'm prejudiced. Yeah, in the book, he specifically says, funny how that sometimes happens. And Harry is like, not really. I love it. He and, really is there. Yeah. And Harry is like, I don't really know if I like this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Questionable. I'm not really sure point. you're supposed to like him. I feel like he's a anti-hero. Is that what? Yeah. Kind of yeah, a little anti-hero-y yeah. at this point. He's he definitely better. one out for himself, though. Yes. I see the Slytherin in him. He's definitely there for himself. Yeah, and that's definitely the biggest thing. He is ambitious for himself. Absolutely. And the way that he describes this and then the way Dumbledore describes him towards the end of this chapter really shows just how much he's out for himself. But I think this is how in the book it gets awkward because Harry is being pretty cold to him. He gives a very cold, not really. And yeah. that's when Slughorn's like, oh, no, you mustn't think I'm prejudiced. I just said that your mother is one of my favorite students. And then there was Dirk Cresswell the year after her. He was also muggle-born. And now he's the head of the Goblin Liaison Office. This is like when people say, I'm not racist. I have black friends. It's very similar. I'm not prejudiced. I liked this muggle-born student. She was one of my favorites. And I liked this muggle-born student. He was a good student. Plus now, it's cherry he picking. gives me excellent inside information about the goings-on at Gringotts. And at this point, he gestures over to his display of all of the framed photographs that we already have seen in the movie. He points out Barnabas Cuff. That's a ping to the movie. Right down to the fact that he's the editor of the Daily Prophet. Indeed. Saying that he's always interested to hear his take on the day's news. What we didn't get in the movie was a mention of Ambrosius Flume, who 
runs honey dukes right i love it saying he sends him a hamper every birthday it's a lot of candy i don't think it's like laundry hamper size but (laughs) hey send me a laundry hamper right we have a p.o box now send us a laundry basket of ham i don't know that it's gonna fit in our p.o box it's a small one it's fine and then he also mentions gwenog jones captain of the hollyhead harpies which he also mentions in the movie and that was our trivia question yep and he specifically says in both that she gets him free tickets whenever he wants them. Does he say in the book, but I haven't been to a match in a long time? No, he doesn't because it's actually Harry who says, how do they know how to find you? Like all of these people can still get this stuff to you? Yeah. Like, and inwardly he's wondering how the Death Eaters haven't been able to track him down yet if he's getting like hampers of candy and free tickets to Quidditch games and able to send letters into Daily Prophet and stuff like that. And Slughorn has this moment now where it clicks for him that he's been out of touch with everybody for about a, a year now. Yeah. And then he kind of shrugs it off and says, but a prudent wizard keeps his head down in such times. That's the most Slytherin statement I've ever heard. Yeah, that's pretty Slytherin. He says something about how it's all fine and dandy for Dumbledore to talk, but Taking a post at Hogwarts now would basically be the same thing as declaring a public allegiance to the Order of the Phoenix. And he doesn't much fancy their mortality rate. And let's face it, a lot of Phoenix members have died. I like that Harry specifically says, you don't have to join the Order if you teach at Hogwarts. Which is true, because there are teachers there that are not part of the Order. Most of them aren't. Yeah. It's really just McGonagall and Snape who are. Flitwick. They don't ever specifically mention Flitwick. Let me say that. But I do think that he is part of it. And I also think Hagrid. Hagrid and Sprout as well. Probably. The only ones they've been like super definite about were McGonagall and Snape. Yeah. The and two then main Hagrid, ones. I'm sure. And Hagrid, yeah. Harry also finds it very difficult to sympathize with Slughorn in this moment. Like, me oh, too. poor you. You don't get all your free shit because you're on the run. He's a bitch for free shit. Yeah. And this is when he says that you don't have to join the order to teach at Hogwarts because most of the teachers aren't in it. And on top of that, none of the teachers have been killed with the exception of Quirrell. But he was working with Voldemort, so he kind of deserved it. I like that in the book he says, or he's thinking, I bet he's that kind of person that flinches at Voldemort's name. And then it happens. Yeah, Sure enough, he not only flinches, he gives like a little squawk. Which Harry just ignores and also mentions that he figures that the staff is safer than most people with Dumbledore being the headmaster because he's the only one that Voldemort was said to have ever feared. Slughorn does actually agree with this and it kind of sends him down the path of now rationalizing (laughs) going back to Hogwarts. Yeah. And he's just like, well, you know, it might be a little safer to be closer to Albus because... It's not like I've joined the murder munchers. And at this point, that's basically me declaring that I'm against them because I haven't joined them. And just having a whole know, conversation. Right? Like, like out loud, though, he's saying all of this. And then mm-hmm. Dumbledore comes back from the bathroom, which makes Slughorn wonder what took him so long. Upset stomach. Right. That's what he says in the movie, right? And it's essentially stomach. the same. Yeah. He asks him if he was having stomach issues and. Dumbledore just says, no, I was just reading the Muggle magazines. I do love knitting patterns. And that was actually one of our trivia questions from our recent trivia night. Oh, yeah. Is we did a category that was book or movie or both. And I don't know if it's going to come out before this episode actually posts or around the same time. But we are going to be sharing the recording of us reading all of the questions. So you can just kind of listen to them and do the trivia questions on your own. Mostly this for the patrons, but since it's something that was public anyway, we're going to eventually share that to Mm -hmm. YouTube as well. But I'll give you one of the questions ahead of time. In book or movie or both, it was Dumbledore declares his love for For knitting knitting patterns, patterns. which was both. Have you seen the little cartoon of him sitting in a chair and knitting and Fox is sitting on his shoulder? It's so cute. I have. Yeah, I love that one. In this moment, he also specifically tells Harry that he thinks it's time for them to leave. Dumble coming from the bathroom and being like, yo, I'm stealing this muggle magazine. <laughs> it's just my face. Like, 
I'm going to take this. And I do he, love knitting patterns. He does love some knitting patterns. But he dips saying that he knows that Sluggy's not going to return. Basically playing him, which is the most Dumbledore thing. Oh, yeah. This do. is where he gets a little bit manipulative. Now he's calling his bluff. Yeah. He's like, Haha, peace. We'll go. Peace out, yo. Albus Dumbledore. Right? And it's a minor change. I just thought it was interesting that in the book, Dumbledore was specifically like, all right, Harry, let's go. And in the movie, when Dumbledore comes back, Harry just immediately goes and walks over by him before he says anything. He's uncomfortable. Yeah. Dan's like, I need to get out of this. Right. But in response to Dumbledore telling him it's time to leave, he jumps up and moves over to him. And now Slughorn has gone from, oh, are you leaving? To, oh, are you leaving? Already? Yeah. And Dumbledore says that he knows a lost cause when he sees one. And makes a show of fastening up his cloak while Harry zips up his jacket. And then he actually, with his good hand, salutes Horace. Says, sorry that you don't want the job. Hogwarts would have been glad to see you back. Then the little extra manipulation here. Despite the greatly increased security, you will always be welcome to visit Hogwarts should you wish to. Just a little like... Hey, it's safe. Greatly increased security. You'd be safer here with me. You really should change your mind. You have to move a million times. Right? That sounds so exhausting. I know I said that in the last episode, but it sounds so exhausting. Then Dumbledore says goodbye, and Harry says bye, and they make their way to the front door. It's open. They're almost out of it. And then Horace shouts after them that he'll do it. And when Dumbledore turns around, he's like standing in the doorway to the sitting room, just like panting, like, all right, I'll do it. And Dumbledore says, you're going to come out of retirement and come teach at Hogwarts. Slughorn responds that he must be mad, but yes. And Dumbledore is so pleased. He says, that's wonderful. We'll see you on the 1st of September. In the movie, it's like 10 seconds of thought. And he's like, I, I'll barrel down the stairs and tell them that I'll take the job. And you hear like stuff falling in the house uh-huh. and the door slams open and it's like, oh, hey, yeah, uh, I'll do it. But you have to give me a bigger office and a raise. He does ask for the raise in the book as well. He doesn't yes. ask for the their office. He doesn't ask for Mary Thought's office, which at least they picked a professor that actually used to be at the school if they were going to add that into the movie. Yes. He just says that he wants the pay raise. What's really funny to me is in the book, Dumbledore just chuckles and doesn't ever agree to it. Whereas in the movie, he does give the little nod, but I'm sure he got his pay raise. I'm sure. Mad times we live in. Right. They make their way back down the hill and Dumbledore just says, well done, Harry. And Harry's like, I didn't do anything. Right. What did I do? Dumbledore explains that. He helped Horace see exactly what he will gain if he returns to Hogwarts. More famous people to mooch off of. Yeah, and security. Less moving. I will say, I do think it's nice as a teacher to see those people that you have helped grow up, you taught, you took them under your wing, you helped teach them. It's nice that he still has those people that... They want to contact him. Yeah. They feel like he gave them a leg up. Does it suck for people like Arthur that he didn't notice? Yes. Yes. But as a teacher, I can't imagine a student coming back to me 20 years after I taught them and being like, I loved you so much. You gave me so much support. You're the reason that I'm doing what I'm doing. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. That is so nice as a teacher. I have been teaching at the same school for seven years now. And there's a family that the, the youngest one is still there. He's in seventh grade now. But the two older sisters are junior and senior in high school. But those two especially were just artists. And I got them both into the Cleveland School of the Arts. And the one is a senior now looking to go to Kent to study architecture. Oh, I love that. And the other one is a junior but majoring there in photography and wants to continue on with that. And I'm just like, they always come back to see me. And like when they have days that the high schoolers don't have class They'll come and help in my classroom. And it really is just amazing to have those relationships with students that you've known for seven years and are watching them grow up and feel like I gave them some of that. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that it's nice that Slughorn keeps these students close to his heart. Yeah. Even though it's a little manipulative. As we hear from Dumbledore right now, because he asks if Harry 
liked him. And Harry is not even really sure how to respond. He thinks that he was pleasant, which he was in both the book and the movie. He also thought that he came across kind of vain and way too surprised that a muggle-born would make a good witch. Yes. We all agree with you, Harry. Yikes. Yeah. At this point, Dumbledore explains that Horace is one to like his comfort, which we should have already inferred by him saying he wants his creature comforts. Hi, Hufflepuff. And that he also wants the company of famous, successful, and powerful people. I think it's interesting they add powerful in there. Because Voldemort is that. Yeah. Did Voldemort ever make the shelf, sir? He absolutely did. Oh, yeah, definitely. Tom was on that shelf for a while. Yeah. I would be surprised if there isn't still a picture of him somewhere in his trunk. It's a little hidden. Yeah. But can you imagine that? Being able to tell your students that you taught this extremely powerful wizard. Granted, it's like Ollivander, what Ollivander said. He did terrible things. Did great things. Great but as terrible. in big, but terrible. Mm-hmm. So I think that he does keep that somewhere hidden. I kind of wonder when he would have taken that picture down. Was it when he When he did asked it? about Horcruxes? Because I would have, but I don't think that that's when he did it. I don't think so either because he initially answered the question and it wasn't and he later. he kind off. of pretended like it was yeah. normal. Yeah. He didn't modify that memory until later. So was it when he didn't live up to his potential and took on a job at Borgen and Burks? Or was Ooh. it later on when he really started to show the dark wizard side? Did... I think it would be when he started to show the yeah, dark Yeah, it's side. interesting to think when that would happen. Because maybe, I think about this a lot, because you can do a lot, especially if you work for a shop like Borgen and Burks. You can do a lot. You can be that person who, co- he can be a collector, just like Slughorn is, but a collector of rare pieces to sell to other people. If he came across something rare and priceless and gifted that to Slughorn, he still benefits. Yeah, so I definitely don't think he would have taken him off. Yeah, as soon as he, I think it would have been when the dark side started to show itself. Wow, that was very Star Wars of me. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's a good pondering. Yeah, it'd be neat to know our Keeper's thoughts on that. So one of the things that Dumbledore really stresses about Horace Slughorn is that he has never wanted to be the one in power. He prefers to stretch out in the back seat and manipulate those in power, though not necessarily in a Voldemort-esque way. Right. It's just like, I want to feel like I've influenced you and therefore also benefit from it. So he would handpick his favorite students for their ambition or their brains or their charm or their talents and truthfully had an uncanny knack for choosing the ones that went on to become somebody really important or powerful or well-known in their fields. But also had an uncanny knack for leaving people out like Neville. Yeah. Sometimes you don't see the untapped potential because you don't take the time to. Right. He definitely overlooked a lot of wonderful, powerful, I mean, Arthur. Talented. And Molly sounds so sad and when worthy she says that. And right. worthy wizards, yes. But these are the students that he used to form a club. He was the center of it, so he would put them all in contact with one another, contact with former members, and... How very Illuminati of him. Right? <laughs> but then it was just a way for him to get some kind of benefit from it. And I love the fact that this makes Harry picture a fat spider weaving a web trying to attract juicy flies to come closer. I see it. Yeah. It's a great description for Slughorn. Dumbledore then goes on to explain that he's not saying all of this to turn him against Horace, or Professor Slughorn, as he now must be referred to by, but that he wants to put Harry on his guard because no doubt he's going to try to collect him. He is Harry Potter, the boy who lived, or as they call him these days, the chosen one. But I am the chosen one. (laughs) When Dumbledore says this, Harry kind of gets a chill, completely unrelated to all of the mist in the air, all of the Dementor gist. It's because it makes him remember the end of the The prophecy. prophecy. Neither can live while the other survives. And that's what's making him a collectible. Not a great existence. I also think it's a little weird. 
I know as a teacher, you do have those students. I would never think of my students as collectibles. And I know that's how Horace views his oh, students. Oh, absolutely. And that's so weird. <laughs> I mean, I am not going to pretend like I don't have favorites. No, I do. Absolutely. But they're not ones that I collect. They're just the ones that I enjoy being around, not just as my students, yes. but as people. Yes. The ones that I have the opportunity to get to know and appreciate. And I think that's his thought process, too. But he uses the word collect a lot. I don't know that that's his thought process. I think it's really a way for him to remain relevant even as he gets older. It keeps him in the center of his web. It's his way to be immortal. Yeah. Well, Is he that much different than Voldemort in that sense? Mm. He's just not evil about it. Well, he allows himself to form relationships with people Voldemort does not. Yeah. So a little different. But yeah, I get where you're coming from. So at this point, they stop. They're right by that church they had passed earlier. And Dumbledore says, all right, this is good enough. Take my arm again. And Harry's ready to apparate this time, but he still doesn't like it. But now they find themselves standing in a country lane where he can see the silhouette of that crooked building that he refers to as his second, second favorite, favorite building, building in, in the, the world. world. The, the borough. He love it. That's where the movie section cuts off, right when he ends up in the marsh. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that was rude, Dumbledore. <laughs> you just like drop and run. Bye. Which is interesting because in the book, it goes on a little bit further. It does. I was actually looking and seeing that it goes on quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. Because even though he was feeling all of that dread, especially after being reminded of the prophecy... The sight of the burrow lifts his spirits a little bit. He knows that he's about to see Ron. He knows that he's going to see Mrs. Weasley, who he specifically thinks of as the person who can cook better than anyone he knows. He's just like, I'm going to eat so right. I'm going to eat right. I'm looking forward to a real meal. Damn it. God, I would be so hungry. He did so much tonight. I know. But before he can go to the burrow, Dumbledore says that he wants a few more words with him in private and then leads him to a rundown stone outhouse that the Weasleys use as their broom shed. I love it. And he just like opens the door and like after you and just like goes into this. He opens the door and goes into this really small space. It's like smaller than a cupboard. Harry should feel right at home. He's a little confused, but he follows him in. And when Dumbledore lights his wand, you can just see that there's spiders everywhere. Not so much the focus. It gets mentioned a couple of times, it but does. Dumbledore tells Harry that he's really pleased and proud of how he's been handling everything. I don't think that we should be because he's not dealing with anything. <laughs> if we're being honest. I mean, in this moment, what he says shows that he's inwardly coping in some ways because Dumbledore tells him that he thinks Sirius would also be proud. And then mentions how cruel it is that they had such a short time together. Like it should have been a long and happy relationship that got cut short. That's a ping back to the third movie. Yeah. And Harry can only nod in response at first, but then manages to say how hard it is to realize that Sirius won't ever write him again. I hate this moment, if I'm being honest. Because Harry's forgetting about Remus. I know that he's not the same as Sirius, but he's just like, now I don't have a parent figure. But you do. Yeah, I don't know that that's what he's thinking. Well, he specifically says that he's thinking that at one point. And I'm like, do you not? Like, you still have Remus who knew your parents. He loved your parents. He had such a good relationship with your parents. And Hagrid, who loves you and cares about you. Yeah, he gets a little pissed off in this <laughs> book. But Harry frequently forgets that there are so many people in his life. Right. I don't know that I feel like he's forgetting them so much as he is grieving. That's true. And it's, it's only been a few vision. weeks. Yeah. So I don't think he means to forget that he has these other people that love him and are there for does. them. But he is very caught up. And he is very tunnel vision right now. You're right. The fact that he just lost 
really truthfully the closest thing he had to a parental figure that he felt comfortable going to. Yeah. Because even though he does have a good bond with Hagrid and Remus, they are still his teachers or were his teachers. And Remus has been absent a lot because of being on the werewolf missions for the order. He's underground quite literally. (laughs) So he doesn't have the same level that he did with Sirius. Like he thought he was going to go live with Sirius. And then that got shot down. Can you imagine? Harry should have been like, Remus, let's go live together because you have no fucking money. Let's go live together. I don't know if Remus would have agreed to that because he'd be worried he'd be putting him in danger. We'll figure it out. We can build a house. Harry has so much money. We can build a house. It's fine. But this moment, like when I was reading this to make the summary, my eyes started to burn. And like I was like, oh, and Harry's eyes start to burn. And that's when Dumbledore says that Sirius represented a lot that Harry had never known before. So naturally, that loss is devastating. And in this moment, despite being about to cry, Harry's voice becomes a little bit stronger. And he says that while he was at the Dursleys, he realized that he can't shut himself away, that Sirius wouldn't have wanted that. And in general, life is too short especially with the deaths of Emmeline Vance and Amelia Bones, he knows that it's possible he could be next. And he just thinks that he wants to take as many murder munchers with him and Voldemort too, if he can manage it. Spoken like your mother and father. And that's basically what Dumbledore says. Like you are truly James and Lily's son and Sirius is God's son. He said, I take my hat off to you. I know. Or I, I would if, if I, I weren't afraid of showing you with spiders. Yes, it's a good line. Yeah, I just love it so much. But then he changes the subject. <laughs> As you do. Bringing up all of the reports in the Daily Prophet about the adventure that they had in the Hall of Prophecy. And Harry says something about how now everyone knows that he's the one. And Dumbledore says, uh uh-uh. No. Think they know. There are two people in the world who know the full contents of this prophecy, and both of them are standing in this spider infested broom shed. I love that that's what he says. He does mention that there are many people who have guessed correctly, but they don't actually know. And he assumes that Harry hasn't told anybody about what the prophecy really said. Which I'm Harry actually really surprised that he hadn't told Ron and Hermione. I don't think he there could bring time. himself to say it out loud. Maybe not. He had a lot to process that night, so. Yeah, and he doesn't tell him. We know that. He confirms this for Dumbledore, which Dumbledore says is wise on the whole. But he thinks he should tell his friends, Mr. Ronald Weasley and Miss Hermione Granger, in case so formal. Harry wasn't sure who his friends were. <laughs> You have no friends. <laughs> right. And he specifically mentions that it's a disservice to not confide something this important with his best friend. I agree with that. And then Harry starts to say that he didn't want to. And he gets cut off because I think Dumbledore already gets it because mm-hmm. he's Dumbledore and he's been in similar situations. Oh, boy. So Dumbledore says that worry them or frighten them or maybe admit that you yourself are worried and frightened i'm telling you wizarding world needs some mental health care because harry should be able to admit to himself that he's scared it's scary it is scary but i think a lot of people struggle with that in the moment it's new it's fresh maybe it's just because i'm a hufflepuff but i really don't struggle with it (laughs) i don't so much either but i'm secondary house Hufflepuff so (laughs) Dumbledore tells him in this moment that he really needs his friends and using his own words he points out that Sirius would not want him to shut himself away true Harry doesn't really have a response for this but it also doesn't seem like Dumbledore needs a response to this so he just kind of moves on different but slightly related subject Telling Harry that he wishes him to take private lessons with him this year. This is also a really good conversation. Yeah, and I don't understand why this couldn't have been included. Even if they did it before they apparated and still had him drop in the marsh. Like, why would they not 
Yeah, Dumbledore fucks off so fast in the yeah. movie. And in the book, he's like, we're going to have a whole heart to heart right here. And in the book, he walks him all the way to the door. He like does. he ensures he says, his Hello. safety. Yeah. Right. So Harry wants to know what he's going to be teaching him. And, you know, Dumble just dumbles and says, oh, a little of this and a little of that. Oh, my God. And Harry just kind of waits. And it becomes <laughs> pretty clear pretty fast that he's not going to go into any more detail. So he instead asks if that means he'll still have Occlumency lessons with Snape. And Dumbledore says no. And Harry says, this is the best line. oh, good, because they were a fiasco, to say the least. Yeah. And I love that he trails off not wanting to use the to word of what yeah. he really feels. And Dumbledore's like, I'll finish it. They yeah. were a I think fiasco, fiasco would be a good word to use here. And this makes Harry laugh. But he also says that he probably won't be seeing much of Snape from now on since he won't be allowed to continue potions unless he gets an outstanding in his OWL. And he knows that he hasn't. I love this wizard phrase. It's so cute. Dumbledore. Don't count your owls. Yeah. Don't count your owls before they're delivered, which then makes him realize that they should actually be delivered later today. So he's going to get his OWLs later that day. Before they part, he gives Harry two more directives. The first one being keep his cloak with him at all times, even within Hogwarts, which every single time I read this, I think about the fact that he has to send him to get his cloak from his trunk before they go off to the cave. Anyway, we'll talk about that when we get there. Oh, yeah. yeah ding <laughs> dong. Okay. The second is that the borough has been given extreme security measures while he's staying with them like the best that the Ministry of Magic can provide. And these measures have caused inconveniences for Molly and Arthur. Like they're going through their mail. They're doing all of this other stuff. They have to like walk all the way outside of their house just to be able to apparate to to go go to work and shit like that. And Dumbledore specifically says, so don't be a shit. Basically, (laughs) but he's like, they're happy to do this, to put up with this because your safety is important to them. So don't fuck it up. Like, it would be poor repayment if you risk yourself while you're staying with him, is what he says. But Harry says that he understands, and Dumbledore opens the door to the broom shed, notices the light on in the kitchen, and says, let's not deprive Molly any longer of the chance to deplore how thin you are. I love it. And that is where the chapter cuts off. Oh, sweet butterbean. This is a good chapter. Yeah, we didn't get any new actors to talk about because we talked about them last week. But other than the last little chunk, which is important information, but other than the last little chunk, I think that they do a good job of lining. Yeah, up. this section was great. I just really missed this conversation between them. Yeah. And I really did not like the fact that they just drop him there and we don't see Dumbledore walk him like, all the way there to make sure he's safe. Because it's the same thing along with Harry just wandering around train stations. Yeah, Voldemort really could have killed you at any time. It's fine. Yeah. And that'll bring us to our Potter pondering, which is, do you think that Slughorn had Tom Riddle's picture up on his display? And if so, at what point do you think he took it down? Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. Don't forget you can also stitch your response on TikTok. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. That will bring us to this week's wizarding word, which is the cursed child will be coming to tour in North America. All we know so far is that it will launch in September of 2024 and the dates and venues are still to be announced. We've signed up for the newsletter, so we'll keep you posted as we get more updates. You can sign up for a newsletter as well at tour.harrypottertheplay.com. I really hope it comes to Cleveland. Since we have the second largest theater district in the country after Broadway, I think there's a good chance. I hope so. Then we'll be able to go see it. Right? That'd be so awesome. That would be really good. This week's trivia question is... What does Molly like Arthur to call her when they're alone together? The first one who responds with a correct answer in the code word hashtag no one should know 
will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes. If you don't have an Apple account, then you can write us a recommendation on our Facebook page. Make sure to email us at foxsakepod at gmail.com and let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, and TikTok at foxsakepod. Following us on Podbean at foxsakepod will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. You can also go to our website at ForFoxSakePodcast.com to check out our For Fox Sake and Harry Potter related merchandise for sale. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where we post our weekly podcast episodes, cooking show episodes, vlogs, bloopers, and other random videos. If you would like to become a patron, you can find us on Patreon at FoxSakePod. Patronage starts at $2 and will get you some awesome perks like for Fox sake swag, access to our Discord channel, chats, and more. Check out our page for the details. Any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about the first half of Chapter 5, An Excess of Phlegm, and the barely corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. Hope you hear us again. I'm Carly. I'm Ellen. And we are For Fox Fox Sake. sake.